It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, myself and Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com are going to run through the biggest storylines that will determine the Raptors series with the Philadelphia 76ers, X-Factors, swing players, all that good stuff. We're going to dig into it today with Vivek. Enjoy, and uh, thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. Uh-huh. Hey. Going on. Welcome to episode number 1157 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, April the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And you can go to all the different podcast audio apps. You can follow, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And it's very much appreciated when you take the time to go ahead and do that. It helps support the show, boost the algorithms. It makes me feel very warm and fuzzy. Also, if you go over to youtube and hit the big red subscribe button that is a wonderful thing for you to do to support the show as well and uh thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day all right on today's show the raptors and sixers are just a few days away from getting their series going on saturday in philadelphia and it's time to start digging into some of the big storylines that will help determine the outcome of this series and so on today's show I have my pal Vivek Jacob here. We are going to run through three storylines that we have each picked. We are blind. We have not seen each other's storylines or swing factors, whoever you want to call them. And we are going to run through them on today's show. Big V, how the hell are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Enjoyed uh, the beginning of the play-in tournament uh, yesterday and uh, everything that came with Minnesota's win. Hell yeah. From glue girl to... (laughs) Cat just turning into a complete uh, blob um, to Pat Beverly being Pat Beverly to inside the NBA having fun with it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed all of it. I, uh, I, I'm i not proud to admit it, but I think I'm a Pat Bev guy now. I got to say, it was pretty <laughs> damn cool. I, I Like the whole like, oh, well, they only won the play-in game. They're losers. Oh, it, no, it's cool as hell. Celebrate when you win stuff. The Wolves haven't won a damn thing for like 17 years. Uh, let them have a good time. It's amazing. I'm very, very happy to see what we saw there in Minnesota. And Memphis, Minnesota might be the most fun series in the history of series. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be maybe five quick games but it's going to be uh an absolute uh shit talk fest and i can't wait personally uh all right big v let's get into it we have at least three storylines each that we've kind of pegged as key factors in this series things that could swing it one way or the other i will defer to you my friend to go with your first storyline and we'll see if we match up with any of the three that we've come together with here on our curated lists what do you got well, 
So first up, I have who is the second best player in the series. Okay. I, I think uh, we know that uh, Joel Embiid will likely be the best player in this series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this kind of ties in with Pascal Siakam's redemption arc. If he can be the second best player in the series um, and it's not James Harden, then mm-hmm. I think the Raptors have a pretty good chance. If he can even, you know, reduce that gap between him and Embiid as well, uh, yeah. then I think the Raptors will feel really good. Like we saw in that last game in Toronto where Siakam, in fact, you know, he's the one that pulled away from Embiid (laughs) and Embiid was the second best player on the court. So uh, I think to me, that is probably uh, the biggest factor in the series. One thing I didn't really think about, but I guess this happened this year is at one point or another, Pascal Siakam outplayed or matched each of the top three MVP candidates in a game, like they only played Giannis once, but he was incredible in that game and they beat the Bucks. Uh, they beat the Nuggets in Denver and Pascal was amazing, but also that he was maybe better than Nikola Jokic was in the Toronto game as well, when he had that, what was it, 35, 10 and 7 or something like that. And then of course his uh, exploits against Embiid recently have been well documented too. So yeah, I think there's a very good chance Pascal comes in. I think he's the odds on favorite to be deemed the second best player in the series. I think right now he pretty obviously is based on recent events. And as it happens, my storyline, number one, also kind of coincides with it. We worded it differently, but mine was, just looking at my notes here, James Harden and whether or not he's actually cooked. That was my storyline, and that does kind of tie into this, because if he's not cooked and if he can play the way that you know the Sixers hoped he could play when they traded for him at the deadline, then, yeah, that certainly makes things difficult. I would argue, though, that, like... I don't know what James Harden could do in this series to really claim, okay, well, I'm clearly a better player than Pascal Siakam, barring Siakam having some disaster series, of course. But like if they just play as they are sort of known to be, like if Siakam keeps up what he's done, and even if Harden gets to the heights that we've seen at the sort of peaks of this season, I don't know if I would take that version of Harden over Pascal Siakam purely because of the defense, right? Like Siakam is the anchor of the Raptors defense. He is like the straw that stirs the drink back there. He's directing traffic and that's just value that James Harden is never going to provide. And I think the sort of mythos of James Harden, the post defender is really going to be challenged in this series because that's what the Raptors do. They go and they find mismatches and they hunt them. And Harden has had luck in the past being a pretty good sort of low base, steady guy who can guard the post. I don't know if he's going to have that juice against a Siakam or a Scotty Barnes or an OG Ananobi who are kind of particularly difficult matchups in that regard. Um, Am I selling short the potential of James Harden completely tearing this series apart with his pull-up shooting and with everything else that he does? Or am I kind of right to be skeptical that he has that juice left in him? I don't think that you're selling him short. I think that based on what we've seen this season, that's what you would have to expect. I think it's part of why, you know, most of us here in Toronto feel good about this series. Um, uh, And so uh, I think the odds are in favor of Pascal being uh, the second best player in this series, um, if not right there with Embiid. Uh, And I think it's just, you know, almost giving... Harden that due of what he's accomplished in sure. his career up to this point <laughs> uh, and saying, Hey, can you pull it off for one series? You, you know, you look at the rest factor, 
uh, for Fred Van Vliet, I think the same way you have to put that rest factor for James Harden and say, okay, is that going to make any kind of difference? Right. Uh, so, uh, and then the other thing too, is I could see, uh, at least closing stretches where Pascal Siakam is defended by Joel Embiid and, uh, Siakam goes to that mid range jumper. Right. And so that is going to be a, you know, how consistently can he make that shot, um, in the playoffs? That is going to be interesting to see for me. Yeah, like that could be its own storyline itself is Siakam's mid-range game and whether he's able to punish what the Sixers are probably going to do to him defensively, which is pack the line, keep, you know, I, I, I can't remember who I saw suggest this, but it could be very similar to like building the wall for Giannis, right? And trying to dare other guys to knock down shots. And that is a pretty easy jumping off point into my second storyline, which we're going to get to in just one Second, Vivek, let me uh, first, however, tell our good friends out there about Shady Rays Sunglasses. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for the fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every single pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. It's just a small processing fee, but you get a replacement and you give them a try. And if you don't love them, you're going to pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Every time you make a purchase, they are donating. That makes you feel good about your purchases as well. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRay.com. Use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. They are Great sunglasses for less than the big guys, and that is just a great way to go. I lose my sunglasses all the time. I have one pair in my car that I've had for like six years, and it's a miracle it's lasted that long. But now I can replace that pair that I got at a music festival back in like 2016 with an actual pair of Shady Rays. I have them right here. They're wonderful. I love them. They look great. These have a nice like wood finish on them. They're pretty sweet. I've got another more classic looking pair as well. Highly recommend you go and check out Shady Rays and get that deal. The promo code locked on for 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Ray sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. And uh, let me tell you, I have been feeling under the weather lately. I've had uh, COVID pretty badly over the last week or so, and I feel like I have not gotten a whole lot of nutrition. But guess what? Athletic Greens has been the way for me to know that even if I don't have much of an appetite during the day, I can still get all that I need because I have that one scoop of Athletic Greens in the morning. It is one amazing scoop of like a delicious, it kind of has like bubblegum uh, tasting powder. You absorb 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things that matter to a healthy day-to-day life. Athletic Greens was created when the founder was having a ton of gut health problems and does not was not getting the proper nutrition. And this was a guy who was like an extreme outdoor athlete. He was an adventure racer, all of this stuff. And he just did not get enough nutrition every day. And to cover off what he wasn't getting, he was spending up to 100 bucks a day in supplements just to get all that nutrition. So he created Athletic Greens and the AG1 formula to uh, create an optimal nutrition routine 
of his own. And now you can do the same. I have been doing this stuff for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they sent me some and I really stand by it, especially when I haven't been feeling so hot lately and I just have no energy to eat. I don't feel like it, but I know in the morning that I've had my AG1 and that I am set for the day when it comes to nutrition because it's the ultimate nutritional insurance. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we continue on here with your first list of the day with Vivek Jacob digging into some of the biggest swing storylines of the Raptors series with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, mentioned before the break the idea of three-point shooting and uh, what teams are going to do to Pascal Siakam. What team? We know what the team is. It's the Philadelphia 76er. What the Sixers are going to do to Pascal Siakam to try and prevent him from doing his thing and being one of the best players alive, like he has been over the back 50 games of the season. Uh, and for me, Vivek, my number two storyline here, it might actually be the most important one, is are the Raptors getting shooting from their bench? It's just going to be non-negotiable i think we know that gary Trent jr is a good shooter we know fred van vliet what he can do in the postseason as a catch and shoot guy og is a knockdown guy i feel pretty good about the way those guys are going to shoot or at least the way they're going to space the floor for pascal siakam you can't bank on them hitting whatever percentage of their shots but the floor geometry will be good with them out there chris boucher precious achua thad young those three guys to me are gonna have to just beyond from from outside or the Raptors are going to have a hard time winning the series because of all the extra attention you would assume Pascal Siakam is going to get because Fred Van Vliet as good as he is you know in the games at least for Matisse Thibel's available he's probably going to hound Van Vliet and make him a pretty difficult option as sort of a creation of offense type source it's going to really come on to guys knocking down the looks that Pascal Siagam is creating for them. And those three guys have been hot and cold. You know, Chris Boucher has kind of bounced back after a really slow start to the season, three point shooting wise. He's gotten a little bit more confident. He's hitting them lately. Uh, Precious Achua, we know, has been about 40% since the All Star break on more than three attempts a game. And Thad Young is at about 40% as well. Uh, so the numbers suggest that they probably, you know, they have it within them to do it, but the playoffs are different and it, it really can come down to, did that guy hit two threes in the game? If not, that can kind of be the difference. We've seen this over and over. The guy who always kind of sticks out in my mind here, Big V is Daniel Tice back from the bubble series where any game where Daniel Tice was hitting one or two threes in the corner, it became really tough to overcome for the Raptors. Uh, I think the shooting from the bench guys is going to be enormous in this series. It's kind of an unknown. There's reason to be excited, but also reason to be skeptical. Uh, how are you feeling about the chances of Thad, Boucher, and Achua firing away from three and doing so with accuracy in this series? Look, to be honest with you, I had it as three-point shooting period. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't have the same level of confidence in – uh Gary, Fred, and OG as you. Sure. Um the reality is Fred is shooting 29% from three since the All-Star break. He has not been the same since then. We've seen games where teams have even cheated off of him. Um right. because they've recognized that. Uh so I could I could see a scenario where if he if he starts out poorly, that that could also become the case. Uh we've seen and obviously this will be a factor only in Philly's home games, 
but Matisse Thibault, as you noted, has given Gary Trent Jr. fits. Uh, and yeah. so um, what is that shooting going to look like? OG Ananobi is a bit of a question mark just because of health. Um, I have confidence in him as a shooter, but um, what is his health looking like? We only got that one uh, game against the Knicks where he was shaking off some rust and he was, what, 0 for 4 from 3 in that game. Um, sure. So uh, I have question marks about the three-point shooting uh, as a whole. Um, and uh, you're right, uh, the bench uh, three-point shooting, whatever they can bring to the table uh, in terms of Precious and uh, Boucher, uh, and that will be important, but I think it only has the potential to be a swing factor if those first three guys are actually doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. You know, I would say on OG, I think I'm a little less concerned maybe just because like there's recent proof of him coming back from injury and kind of stepping into it pretty smoothly. Like when he first returned from, God, what was it? The finger injury, like even with a finger injury, like still sore or whatever. I, I'm sure it wasn't 100% when he got back. He kind of stepped in and was knocking him down. And since the All-Star break, he hasn't played a ton. He's played six games, but he's shooting 47% from three on 5.3 attempts. I feel pretty all right about OG. I would say he's probably the guy I'm most confident in hitting those shots out of those three. Fred, I mean, yeah, it's been pretty rough since the All-Star break. Like you said, he's down at 29% on 9.4 attempts a game, which is insane. <laughs> Over 15 different games played. Um, you know, that that's certainly a concern. I, I guess I think the way the Raptors are going to kind of run things in the postseason, just because of the way the Sixers have length and can probably bother Fred a little bit. I, I might just, I, I think he's probably going to get most of his looks as catch and shoots. And that maybe that increases the ease of those looks a little bit more. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of, all right, Fred, let's run high pick and roll with you and try to get you these pull up threes. If Matisse Thibel's kind of lurking around or Danny Green's lurking around or something like that. So I, I feel all right about the kind of looks he's going to get, but certainly he's got to hit about a better rate than he has lately because it's just not enough. And then with Trent, yeah, I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> it's it's It oscillates quite a bit. He's still 35% on seven and a half attempts a game since the All-Star break. So, you know, I, I think there will be at least some sort of passable level of three-point shooting there. You know, he, he obviously, if he goes into a, a real cold spell, he can kind of kill the Raptors' chances of winning a game because of the volume and because he, his his shooting is just so important to breathing life and space into the offense. But uh, I feel a little bit better about those guys than I do about the bench guys for sure. And the reason I'm really keying in on the bench guys here is, like, I think they're going to be hugely important in this series. Like, they're going to have to play heavy minutes. The Raptors are going to have to like crash the offensive glass with a plum, just because I don't know if they're going to have the juice in the half court to really keep up with the Sixers over the course of seven games. And so they're going to have to get those cheap buckets they have all year. And those three guys are three of their four best offensive rebounders right there. They got to be on the floor. In addition, like Precious is going to have to be out there to guard Embiid and also Harden. Like he's like their one guy who can kind of switch across both of those matchups. I think Thad's going to have to play a lot of minutes. He's been so good lately and he's been so tied to positive winning basketball that I feel like he's got to be a pretty regular fixture of the playoff rotation. And then Boucher, I mean, we know how instrumental he's been to the bench unit defense and those sort of kooky lineups with multiple guys who are 6'8", 6'9", and, and how he fits into those. Like, the sort of bread-and-butter lineups for the Raptors are very much dependent on those three guys. And, like, if they are in one of those modes where Precious is going 5 of 7 and is going crazy, like, they are 
really difficult to beat. Like th- th- that's to me, like it-, it goes from this is sort of a coin flippy series to if those guys are knocking down their shots, like I don't know what you're supposed to do about the Raptors because Pascal Siakam is going to find those guys. And if they're knocking them down, it is going to be sort of a well tip your cap type thing if you're the Sixers. Um, are there ways that you think the Raptors can go about? I don't know. Like, <laughs> this is a weird question. They've not really been a team that's like tried to win the three point battle or anything like that, right? They'll they'll happily stop taking threes if uh, if you know if they aren't falling, and you know they'll have plenty of games where they shoot under thirty of them. Do you think there's a world in which they can win this series if they aren't taking a high volume of threes? Like, do, do you, like, is there a an avenue to it? It's so difficult with Embiid taking up so much space in the paint. You're not going to be able to do that sort of fun, big-to-big, weird triangle of bizarro passing that you typically would see from those guys in, in close and in, in close quarters. It, it's, it's a tricky one to figure out against the Sixers because of that presence in the middle. Can they win this series if they are having an off series from three? I would I would say that they can they can lose the three point battle and still win the series. Okay. Yes, um, yeah. I th- I think that they uh, will you know in terms of the sliding scale of missing threes versus getting offensive rebounds. I think that's going to be the swing factor. It's like can sure. they get enough on the offensive glass and get those putbacks uh, and make shots at the rim uh, at enough of a clip to overcome that um and and get out in transition uh you know the more shots they miss from the outside the more uh, they they need to make up for it uh, with that right. that's what i'll say and i think i think they have the team to do it um obviously it's a lot easier if they just <laughs> can make some shots <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't think it's i mean it's 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 hyperbole to say this because he's not like one of their five best players but i do think precious is kind of like singularly important in this series because of the way he can flip well hey then we the can get to game. my next point <laughs> oh well we will do that in a sec we will do that in a sec because uh he's yeah he's a fascinating piece in this but i do want to ask you you know there's been a lot of talk about the grizzlies and can they keep up their formula in the postseason and their formula is not all that dissimilar from the raptors they force a ton of turnovers they run and they crash the offensive glass even more so than the raptors do they have like a 35 percent offensive rebounding rate it's like two percentage points higher than the raptors and then you know the rest of the leagues behind them you know we haven't heard a ton of like oh can this offensive rebound hunting like sort of make up for your lack of half court offense with that sort of cheat code can that carry over for the Raptors in the postseason? And I'm curious, like, do you think it's something that can carry over? Do you think it's something that could be schemed against by the Sixers to um, sort of limit the Raptors' effectiveness there? Does scheming against it then cut into some things that could be effective for Philly? Or are they not a team really, you know, I think the way you scheme against offensive rebounding is you just crash the defensive glass and don't worry about runouts and stuff like that, and you just play in the half court. But that could kind of play into the Raptors' hands if the Sixers are, you know, crashing back for defensive boards, bringing it up slowly and going up against a set defense. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm torn as to whether or not this is something that can be translatable. It's kind of something new, right? We've never seen this be a staple of a Raptors team going into a playoff series. I think there were pa- past teams where you could kind of say, oh, well, that feels like could be potentially a sore spot to poke at in the playoff series. I don't really know how I feel about the offensive rebounding and how big a part of it is of their identity and how much it can carry over to playoff basketball. I think it depends on the switchability of the opponent. 
Mm. Um, and I and I think they can carry over their success because the Sixers aren't all that switchable. Right. Um, I I would look at a team like Boston at full strength uh, because that that that's part of the offensive rebounding equation, right? Like yeah, uh, you, you you run your half court offense, all of a sudden you've got Scotty Barnes matched up with say a Tyrese Maxey or, or something like that, and it's like okay, he's gonna he's gonna win that battle, he's gonna get it off the glass, right? And um or uh, you know George Niang or whoever it might be right and th- those physical advantages when the raptors are able to maximize that that's when i think uh they can just continue to maintain what they've been doing in the playoffs i think mm-hmm. it's when it's when it's negated going up against you know when you're regardless of what you do you get matched up against a Tatum or a Brown or you know even Marcus Smart you know physically that that's a challenge to get around um right. So that's where I would say, you know, it becomes more of a challenge. Yeah, 100%. I think that's well put. Uh, Certainly going to be a thing that I keep my eye on, not just with the Raptors, but also with the Grizzlies and also the Wolves. Like, I'm kind of curious, these teams that are kind of playing this way this season, it's sort of like a new wave of, all right, how can we kind of get around our offense being a little bit janky? And uh, it'll be fascinating to see if it is something that can translate to the playoffs, because if it is, then I would imagine you'll see more teams probably do it um let's uh we're gonna take one last quick break we're gonna pivot to our final storylines each of uh you know what what to expect here from the raptors and the storylines that could swing the series precious achua seems like he's gonna come up if uh if vivek is any indication with his uh cryptic language so we'll get to that and we'll get to my last storyline as well in just one sec here but first want to tell you about our friends over at built bar it's time to get some built bars in your damn pantry i don't know how many times i got to say it but they are a wonderful way for you to scratch that itch. If you're trying to feel indulgent, if you want a candy bar, if it's midnight and you feel like snacking, Built Bar is the way to go, baby. It is there as a great alternative, a great source of protein, and a great source of not too much of the crap that you're typically going to get from your regular late-night snacking options. They have a ton of flavors at Built Bar for you to try out. You can try their more savory types, and you know you get like the salted caramel, for example. You've got uh, mint brownie, which is one of my faves. It's just a nice, delicious confection with a little mint worked in. And you have the fruity flavors. They have nut and nut-free options. They have marshmallow puffs. They have a ton of stuff for you to go and check out. So I highly recommend you peruse the site. They have limited-time flavors that appear all the time as well. And the thing about Built Bars that are so great is that they just taste good and they feel good in your mouth, right? It's not like a typical protein bar where it's going to feel sandy or gritty or like you have to put it in the microwave just to soften it up for your palate. No, it's just a nice, tasty, chewy, wonderful protein bar. And they have uh, all the good stuff that you want, including 17 grams of protein in your average bar. They have half the calories of a typical candy bar, an eighth of the sugar how can you not be going for Built Bar instead of your typical snacking options? Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out your first listen of the day here with our final key storyline that could swing Raptors Sixers in the first round. 
I will defer to you on this one first before I get to mine. You mentioned Precious Achua before the break. Uh, what uh, Precious Achua-related storyline do you have as your third key storyline in this series? Yeah, there's in terms of a storyline, you could go a few different ways with this. You could go with just straight up, hey, Precious Achua is the biggest X factor of this series. You could go with, you know, what's the starting lineup look like versus the closing lineup? Um is this the you know is a true to the key to figuring out if the raptors just say hey no center for life um yeah uh, and so i think that's how important he is in this series we've seen the way he's been able to uh defend uh, joel Embiid and james harden um and i think it brings up a very important interesting question of what the starting lineup is going to look like mm-hmm. um and what the closing lineup is going to look like, because obviously, you know, that that final game in Toronto, we didn't see OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet. Those are two guys you expect to figure into the starting lineup. <laughs> and and so uh, if Precious Achua is your best defender going up against Joel Embiid uh, and you're trying to minimize the impact of the best player in the series, then you figure he'd need to be there in the starting lineup too. So does Gary make way? Is it a situation where you say, hey, Matisse Thibel is probably going to cause problems for Gary, so we'll take our chances with Gary off the bench and start him, uh, you know, in Toronto and, you know, keep it. So I think there's a lot to evaluate (laughs) there. Um, But I have no doubt that Precious Achua has to be on the floor uh, to close these games. That to me is a no-brainer. Yeah, it, uh, man, we might talk to each other too much because I think my <laughs> my final storyline kind of mirrors yours a little bit as well. Um, closing, I 100% agree. Like, Precious is the guy. Like, name the list of players who can c- capably guard both Joel Embiid and James Harden. It's not a long list, and Precious is you know presently on it. We've only seen a couple of examples of it, but the early returns have been extremely promising. So I agree. Like, you want that defense on the floor and it also kind of goes back to the original point that i made in the last segment about the shooting like you can justify replacing gary trent jr in the lineup with precious achua if he's hitting his threes and if not then it becomes cramped and difficult and you're leaving a lot of three-point shooting in space on the table um I i think for me though my concern kind of extends even to the start of games and you know i i think my real question is like how are the raptors opening games here We know they're probably going to win the Joel Embiid less minutes. If they're not, there's a problem because there's going to be either B-Ball Paul or DeAndre Jordan as the backup centers. And as much as B-Ball Paul is everybody's favorite son in Philly these days, he did not fare terribly well when the Raptors beat the Sixers last week. Was it just last week? My God. Uh, (laughs) Feels like it's been a very, very long time since that game. But um that is like th- those minutes we know are probably going to go in the Raptors' favor. History suggests the Sixers are going to lose the minutes without Embiid pretty embarrassingly more often than not. Problem there is Joel Embiid's going to play probably 41, 42 minutes a game. So it's not a huge window for you to make your hay. And I don't think the Raptors can afford to bleed points at the start of games, start of halves in this series. But that's been kind of a thing with this team and with that starting five in particular when it's been fully healthy. They finally nudged back over uh, an even net rating at the back part of the season. They finished the year at a plus 0.5 net rating, 107.4 offensive, 106.8 defensive in 345 minutes played over the course of just 21 games together. 
um, which is not a lot of time. And, and, you know, the numbers where they have been kind of a negative lineup most of the season have never made a ton of sense to me. Like I tested always felt like that lineup was going to figure it out. Maybe we're starting to see that with the numbers creeping up a little bit here into the positives, but it has happened this season a lot where that starting five has hemorrhaged points to open games. And they're probably at a special risk of doing that when they're up against Joel Embiid with Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam operating as the nominal center. So my question to you, Big V, is like, do you start big, like almost because you have to here and you want to sort of avoid those lineups, you know, that you're just not quite sure of yet if they can hold ground and, and hold serve and not hemorrhage points? Or do you sort of roll with your typical starting five that you would keep your rotations intact? Do you, you know, you want to keep that Boucher, Achua duo coming off the bench in the way that they're comfortable? Like I, I this is a big one for me. Like I, I think the start of games are going to be a massive because you can't afford to lose all those minutes when Embiid's on the floor by a ton because there's not going to be a ton of time with him off the floor for you to reel him back in. Yeah, this is this is going to be um a huge swing factor in this series uh i would be surprised if nick nurse went away from the starting five that he's preferred all season to to start the series um especially in terms of being able to validate to gary or um you know a very very outside chance uh scotty as to why he needs to make a change right yeah um and so I think he'll give that a go to begin with. Um, you might see like a, a short, a short uh, rotation in terms of, you know, four or five minutes in, uh, like we saw uh, during a stretch of the season where Scotty was coming out and then yep. coming back. In. Um, and so you might see that. Uh, you, you might see, uh, you know, after two games of understanding what Philly brings to the table at home, him being completely different right uh so the good thing is nick nurse is fluid in that way and (laughs) accordingly but i do expect the starting lineup uh you know on saturday to be fred gary og um scotty and pascal yeah and the last point i'll make is just about the closing minutes the importance of precious playing is because pascal has been so great in that sort of free safety role and yeah. if you go back and watch the film of when Precious is defending Embiid, those possessions where Pascal is coming over as the help defender, like he's been yeah. perfect. Yeah. And so ideally, that's what you want. If Precious is not there, now you're tasking someone um, like OG, who as strong as he is, um, might not have the same level of um, resistance as Precious, sure. if that makes sure. sense. Um or you're going with uh, Pascal straight up on Embiid. And then I think the trickle-down effect of that isn't as good as what it would be with Precious as the primary defender. Begging for foul trouble with that, I think, which, uh, you know, as we saw in the play-in game last night, can be uh, a thing that pops up in the playoffs, for sure. Although... I mean, it uh, it helped the Wolves. It won't help the Raptors. Yeah, that was I was going to say there. It it very much helped the Wolves last night, and... uh, Siaka picking up foul trouble is uh, more or less a death sentence, I think, for the Raptors in any of these games. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, 
a guy I'm interested in as a potential sort of spot starter. Maybe he doesn't close games, but maybe he's in there to kind of stabilize things. I wouldn't mind seeing Thad Young in there uh, in place of a Gary Trent Jr., for example. Like, you go with Fred and then you go Thad, OG, Pascal, Scotty across the board. It gives you lots of different options to throw at uh, Embiid. Like, Thad is, a, I think, sort of a thicker resistance offering guy who can be there for someone to come over and help and give a hand to. Like, you know, he's not precious, obviously, but if you're looking to kind of balance things out and keep that precious and Boucher energy off the bench that you don't want to sort of tamper with, then Thad becomes a pretty interesting piece here. We have not talked about Kem Birch, who has started quite a, quite a great many games for the Raptors this season when they've been without guys. I, you know, I kind of don't want to see Kem Birch in this series unless there's a real disaster going on, if I'm being totally honest. I know he kind of profiles as an Embiid stopper type, He's the same size as everyone else on the team. So I don't think it's like any sort of great, uh, clear advantage they have if they throw him against Joel Embiid. But, you know, I just think like he hasn't hit a corner three, it seems like all season. It might not actually have hit a corner three all season. I have to look up the shot charts in a sec here. But, um, you know, it, it's not been good with Ken Birch on the floor, offensively at least, to my eyes. Sure, he can hit the offensive glass. And, you know, when the floater is going, that is a nice little outlet for guys. But um, I'm curious what you think about Kem in this whole situation. I mean, there's a world in which he starts as kind of the first guy on Embiid in some of these games, I would assume. Like Nick Nurse has gone with him against bigger matchups. I mean, do you think we'll see a lot of Kem or do you think maybe he's on the outside of that trusted eight looking in? I, I think he has to be on the outside to your point uh, about you know, the margin for error in terms of starting out games and, and things of that nature. Um, I, I think precious is the only debate to be had. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think <laughs> you can afford to go in with Kem seeing some of the starts that we've seen. Um, he's had the odd game uh, or, or so where it, it's, it's like, Hey, there's flashes of the Kem we saw to finish the season in Tampa, but it's been in two, it's been two, few and far between and mm -hmm. to take that chance now uh, i think would be a big risk um you can't rule anything out with nick nurse but <laughs> uh i would lean against that pretty strongly yeah i think that's uh i, I mean there's a, there's a world in which he plays too big a role in this series and uh it, it potentially cost them some games like the to the point of like the Daniel Tice player, the guy who can knock down the threes in the corner to kind of swing things. I, I don't think Kem has shown enough this season to give me any sort of confidence that he's going to be able to do that. And that's a bummer for sure. But, you know, it just, I think that's kind of the way things have fallen this season for him. It's been a bit of a lost year and you got to kind of adapt to that. And I just think they're better off with precious Boucher and Thad being their three guys they cycle in. Um, do you, can you see anyone else kind of getting run in this series at all? Like, Malachi Flynn at all getting any work in like trying to create stuff at the point of attack. Like maybe if Fred's getting a lot of attention from Thibel or something like that, you go a two guard lineup. I, I don't know. It, it feels to me like it should just kind of be the eight guys and nobody else gets any run in this series. Yeah. I mean that eight man crew is probably what you're leaning on most heavily. And then I think the rest are just in case of emergency break class. There's yeah, there is a world in which Malachi Flynn is needed. There's, you know, uh, a desperate situation where maybe Utah Watanabe comes in, um, you know? Right. Uh, so I, I think everyone else out, out beyond that eight is an in case of emergency break glass. And uh, the Raptors are 
really looking for something. Yeah, that's uh, that works out for me. Sorry, I've been looking to find this uh, Ken Burch shot chart from this season just to see how things are going from him from the different areas of the floor. Uh, it's uh, not looking awesome. Uh, it's not working for me right now. The come on, come on, shots. Yeah, uh, not a single corner three so far this season made by uh, Ken Burch. If the shot chart tells me correctly, yes, zero uh, percent from the quarters. So. Trouble. It's trouble. Uh, <laughs> if he's on yeah. the floor catching those corner shooting threes opportunities. Uh, anyway, that, that feels like a good place to wrap up this podcast, Big V. We will, of course, continue out throughout the week with all of your preview of the series. We're going to have the crossover with the guys from Locked On Sixers either tomorrow or Friday, figuring out the exact record time for that. But that will be coming down the pipe for you. Big V, uh, before we go, this will be the last time we chat before the series begins. I'm holding off my official prediction until... Uh, my last day before because I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. But I'm putting you on the spot. Prediction for the series. Raptors in six. Uh, I think. Hey, baby. <laughs> I, I think they're the better team. Um, right. I know uh, Joel Embiid is arguably the best basketball player on the planet right now. Um, mm -hmm. But Third I best. just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think that um, James Harden isn't what he used to be. Uh, and yeah. frankly, I think there's a non-zero chance that James Harden, by the end of this series, if if you're doing a power ranking at the end of the series, he he's probably fourth or fifth. Uh, not probably. I should say there's just a non-zero chance of that. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the Raptors' chances. Um, and, and it's a four or five matchup. It's not, you know... It's a four or five matchup for a reason. I, I don't think yeah. it'd be a, a huge upset or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I will be grappling with a couple of different predictions until the end of the week, I think. I keep on just like looking at Joel Embiid and being like, that dude is terrifying. He can win a series on his own. And that, you know, it kind of gives me some pause here. But I keep on, everything kind of lines up. And I, I think the Raptors are going to be able to kind of get their way in this series and do what they want to do. And I think for me, like if the Sixers had one more wing defender, uh, two more in the cases where Dybul's not playing, like I feel like maybe I'd give them more of a chance, but I, their wing defense just stinks. And that feels like a real problem against the Raptors team that has a bunch of wings that are looking for mismatches at all times. So uh, fascinating stuff. It's uh, it's going to be, yeah, what do you got? Oh, just the last thing. We, we didn't put this in our uh, storylines, but one of the reasons why you got to like the Raptors here is the coaching matchup. And Glenn! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you, you just think about that and say, hey, Nick Nurse is going to find creative ways to respond to whatever is thrown uh, at the Raptors and uh, find the right answers. And you probably lean the other way uh, with Doc Rivers, and so I think that's another swing factor. Yeah, I um, at some point in this series, I'm going to be looking at DeAndre Jordan Sixers jerseys and trying to buy one out of like appreciation or something like that. Like, <laughs> if he's playing, I, I mean, Doc has gone wrong somewhere. I, I highly recommend you listen to the most recent Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast where they completely melt down about Doc and DeAndre Jordan. Like one of my favorite things going into a series to try to gauge how it's going to go is to see how the other fan base is feeling about their team. And Sixers fans are in like a full on depression state right now, uh, by and large. So I think that is telling about how 
things could transpire in the coming weeks here. Uh, Vivek, man, we'll talk to you, of course, throughout the series. Really excited to uh, to break it down with you once we have some games in the books. Uh, but until then, do you have anything you'd like to promote for the people out there? Uh, usual stuff uh, at raptors.com. Um, Javon Shepard and I will have uh, a fun preview of this series over at CBC Sports as well uh, in video format. You can look forward to that. Uh, and besides that, you can follow everything I'm doing on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Outstanding. Go follow Big V, of course, doing wonderful work, and we'll be doing so throughout the postseason. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to the podcast and all your favorite podcast apps. You can also go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button and join the nearly 1,900 people who have joined the show or joined the the, the fraternity, the, the the group of friends who listen and watch Locked Around. I don't know. I'm losing my call mind. it a cult, Sean. Call it a cult. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it a cult, baby. Uh, man, I got to say, COVID brain is real. My brain feels like soup. Uh, we're going to wrap it there before it starts oozing out of my ears. Uh you can go and make your second listen of the day, of course, Locked on NBA. They're covering all of the crazy play and action from last night. There will be some thoughts on Patrick Beverly. It better be that uh, Patrick Beverly is cool and crying in sports rocks. Uh, that's that's my hope. And I think the guys who handle it over there will probably do a pretty good job. It's Jake Madison and John Corrales on your Wednesday morning episode. So go listen to Locked on NBA and uh, listen in as they preview the whole playoffs as well as the week progresses here. And we will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.